thank you for choosing this podcast for the BJSM community. I'm Daniel Friedman, and today I'm excited to be speaking with Dr. Margie Davenport about physical activity during pregnancy. Margie is an Associate Professor in the Faculty of Kinesiology, Sport and Recreation at the University of Alberta, whose research is focused on the role of physical activity during pregnancy and the postpartum period. Margie, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Just recently, the 2019 Canadian Guideline for Physical Activity Throughout Pregnancy was published online in the BJSM. Congratulations on the guideline and leading the publication. Thank you. Could you start by providing our listeners with a brief overview of the guideline and why it is needed? So this new guideline is a joint clinical practice guideline of the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada and the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology. Uh, Here in Canada, our previous guideline was actually from 2003, and it was primarily based on expert opinion as there was really minimal evidence available at that time regarding the safety and potential benefits of exercise for pregnant women. So in the subsequent 15 years, it's really been uh, high time for an update. The guideline really represents uh, the culmination of a three-year process uh, by a pan-Canadian panel to develop evidence-based recommendations for exercise during pregnancy. The the panel consisted of researchers from across Canada, including my co-leads Stephanie Rocher and Michelle Matola. We had representatives from the SOGC and CSEP, the College of Family Physicians of Canada, the Canadian Association of Midwives, the Canadian Academy of Sports and Exercise Medicine, Exercises Medicine Canada, and a public health unit. So we got really broad representation from stakeholders across Canada. We also involved pregnant women throughout the process, and we had some really fabulous uh, methodologists who were guiding us um, in the the search, the the statistical analysis, as well as the gold standard for guideline development, which is uh, grade and agree to methodology. Now, in order to inform our recommendations, we developed 12 systematic reviews, which examined 37 outcomes, including pregnancy, labor and delivery complications, maternal mental health, as well as fetal growth and development. Uh, As you can imagine, this was a pretty monumental uh, undertaking, but we're really thrilled that the results in these reviews are, are being published or have been published as a body of work in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Are there other guidelines that exist about physical activity during pregnancy or perhaps the postpartum period at the moment? Mm-hmm. So there are approximately 12 guidelines around the world which look specifically at exercise during pregnancy uh, and or the postpartum period. Most recommend that pregnant women without contraindication to exercise be physically active throughout their pregnancy. However, ours is based on probably the most comprehensive and thorough assessment of the literature, and I believe it's the only one to use um, the gold standard for guideline development. What are some of those contraindications to physical activity during pregnancy? So there are two types of contraindications. There are absolute contraindications, and then there are also relative contraindications. So women who develop absolute contraindications during their pregnancy are encouraged to continue with their activities of daily living. However, more strenuous exercise is not encouraged. And so those contraindications include things like um, being in preterm labor, having preeclampsia, or having a growth-restricted baby. Relative contraindications, on the other hand, 
these are conditions where women are encouraged to speak with their health care provider to discuss the advantages and disadvantages of engaging in moderate to vigorous physical activity. So relative contraindications include twin pregnancies after 28 weeks gestation, gestational hypertension, or recurrent pregnancy loss. Could we talk now about the actual recommendations? Who should be active during pregnancy? As I mentioned, we had 12 systematic reviews um, based on evidence from randomized controlled trials. And with these reviews, we found that women who exercised during pregnancy had a 40% reduction in the risk of developing gestational diabetes, gestational hypertension, and preeclampsia. They had a substantial reduction in the severity of depressive symptoms, as well as a decreased risk of having a large baby. But importantly, we also found that our evidence suggested no increased risk of having a miscarriage, small baby, or preterm birth. And so we have a really solid base of evidence to be able to base our recommendations on, demonstrating uh, both the safety and benefits of exercise for both mother and baby. So there are six recommendations directly within the, the guideline are based on evidence from randomized control trials examining exercise-only interventions. The first one is very simple. It's that we recommend that all women without contraindication should be physically active throughout their pregnancy. And that throughout is really key in this first recommendation. We do encourage women to be active from conception until uh, delivery. In previous guidelines, there's been questions about whether or not women who were previously inactive or have gestational diabetes or were categorized as overweight or obese before they became pregnant, whether these women would actually benefit from exercise or not. The results of our reviews found that they did benefit quite a bit from being physically active during pregnancy. So these women are also recommended and specifically highlighted within our guideline. The second recommendation is that women should accumulate at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity each week to be able to achieve these clinically meaningful health benefits and reductions in pregnancy complications. Uh, we encourage women to accumulate this activity over at least three days per week. However, being active every day is really encouraged. Women are recommended to incorporate a variety of aerobic and resistance training activities to be able to achieve greater benefits. And while there's somewhat limited evidence about yoga, we did find that yoga during pregnancy, in addition to the aerobic exercise, could be quite beneficial as well. Could you give some examples of specific physical activities or exercises that are recommended during pregnancy besides yoga? So great examples of um, aerobic exercises would include walking, swimming, stationary cycling. Uh, it can also include things that we don't typically think about as moderate intensity ex exercise, such as uh, doing yard work. So raking the lawn, mowing the lawn, or even vacuuming would also count as moderate intensity aerobic exercise. The guideline mentions pelvic floor muscle training and supine exercises as part of the last two recommendations. Could you explain what they are and why they're so important for pregnant women? Pelvic floor muscle training uh, is better known as Kegel exercise in the general population. This is a form of exercise to strengthen the pelvic floor. Up to 75% of women uh, develop urinary incontinence during their pregnancy. And so our research has shown that pelvic floor muscle training can help to prevent this condition. However, it can be a bit difficult to perform these exercises properly. And so we do recommend that women gain instruction on the proper technique uh, to be able to obtain optimal benefits. And finally, our, our last recommendation is that 
women who experience uh, lightheadedness or nausea or feel unwell when they exercise flat on their back should just modify their exercise position to go onto the left lateral side or just raise their incline to 30 degrees to avoid the supine position. One of the types of physical activity or exercise that's become very popular in the sports and exercise med community is high-intensity interval training, high-intensity activity. What does the evidence say about high-intensity training during pregnancy? So in terms of high-intensity activity, we were a little bit surprised at the limited information that was available at the higher-intensity exercise levels. So there haven't actually been any studies looking specifically at HIIT training uh, during pregnancy. There has definitely been interval training, but not the really high-intensity exercises. So at the moment, while we demonstrated that increasing duration, frequency and intensity of exercise is beneficial, we weren't able to identify a maximum or upper limit to intensity, duration or frequency of exercise at this time. So the take home is that there's very limited information about exercise during pregnancy at levels substantially above the current recommendations. And this is one of the major gaps that was identified by our literature searches is that we do need to better understand the limits of, you know, higher intensity, higher durations and uh, greater volumes of exercise. Margie, can you speak about the evidence and recommendations for physical activity during the first trimester? I understand this is a cause for concern among some clinicians and pregnant women. So there's long been a concern that exercise in early pregnancy, in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, that being physically active, especially at higher levels, would increase the risk of having a miscarriage. So this was one of the important questions that we wanted to address in our systematic reviews. And so we did a special systematic review that was just published uh, in BGSM focusing on the impact of prenatal exercise on fetal mortality. So not just miscarriage, but also mortality later in pregnancy as well. And our findings actually found that there was no increased risk of having a miscarriage for women who exercised within our guidelines. Now, certainly more research needs to be done uh, looking again at those higher intensities, longer durations, and greater volumes of exercise. But based on our findings of no increased risk of miscarriage uh, in early pregnancy. For women who exercise within the guidelines, uh, we do recommend that women exercise from conception until delivery. And are there any important safety precautions pregnant women and clinicians should be aware of? I, I know we've already spoken about contraindications, but if we could specifically focus here on safety precautions that everyone needs to consider. So there are a number of safety precautions that we do recommend, but they're primarily based on expert opinion because there's very limited experimental evidence looking at these. So the first is that we strongly recommend that women avoid activities that have a high risk of falling or trauma to the belly. So this can include horseback riding or downhill skiing. Scuba diving is an activity that we don't encourage during pregnancy because there's no known safe depth for the fetus. There, there's concern that the fetal lung is actually too immature to be able to filter out nitrogen as you return to the surface. 
We also don't recommend that women who were born and are living at lower altitudes, so below 2,500 meters, we don't recommend those women actually go and exercise above 2,500 meters. So that would be high altitude. And this is essentially due to the lack of research looking at this area of exercise and pregnancy. But our lab is hoping to uh, examine this in the, in the future. And then we continue to recommend that exercise in excessive heat be avoided. And this is uh, primarily about concerns about dehydration and the, the vasodilation that occurs when you exercise in the heat, which can increase the risk of pregnant women actually fainting during their pregnancy. It sounds like there are a lot of things that we perhaps once thought were true, but are finding out that there's not a lot of evidence for when it comes to physical activity in pregnancy. And I was wondering if you could speak about some of the common misconceptions that you hear clinicians recommending or patients saying that we now know just aren't correct. So I've been working in the field now for 15 years. And one of the primary reasons that I'm told by pregnant women that they avoid being physically active during their pregnancy is because of concerns regarding the safety of their baby. And so these concerns include an increased risk of having a miscarriage, having a preterm birth, or having a small baby. But the findings of our systematic reviews don't support these concerns. In fact, we didn't identify any adverse effects of prenatal exercise for either mom or the baby. And it's our real hope that with these new guidelines that we're going to be able to change the conversation from what are the risks of exercising during pregnancy to what are the risks of not being physically active during pregnancy. Other misconceptions uh, that we hear about is that there's this idea that you need to go to the gym or spend money participating in group fitness classes. Um, While they can be really fantastic ways to increase your physical activity, uh, most of the studies that we looked at were actually walking programs where all you need is a comfortable pair of shoes and a safe place to be able to walk. The other misconception that I hear uh, very frequently from both uh, clinicians and pregnant women is that they shouldn't have their heart rate over 140 beats per minute. Now, this number actually stems from the original guidelines that were developed uh, in 1985 by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. It was based on expert opinion and was actually removed from their guidelines a few years later. But 30 years after those guidelines were originally developed, when I was pregnant just four years ago, I was told at my first prenatal visit that I shouldn't be exceeding 140 beats per minute. So these misconceptions do have a tendency to really persist for quite a long time. And it's our hope that we'll be able to get the word out um, about uh, exercise and pregnancy with these new guidelines. Based on all of your work and the release of these new 2019 Canadian guidelines, what are five really practical points that clinicians listening to this podcast can use in their practice? So the first is to remember a very simple sentence. Our guidelines recommend that women engage in at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise spread over three or more days of the week throughout their pregnancy. And the second recommendation is that the 150 minutes can be achieved in multiple different ways. So we know that going for a walk 30 minutes, five days a week can provide really great benefits. But we also know that only 15% of pregnant women will actually be able to do this. So if 30 minutes is too long, try going for a short 10 to 15 minute walk after lunch and dinner every day. 
The third thing that I would like to highlight uh, that's included in the guidelines is that it's really important for pregnant women to know that there's going to be times during pregnancy where you feel tired or unwell, and meeting these guidelines isn't actually possible. On those days, it's really important to listen to your body, uh, take a day off if you have to, but return to the guidelines uh, as soon as possible after that. So a fourth thing to know is that we know that meeting 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise is associated with at least a 25% reduction in the odds of developing major pregnancy complications. However, being physically active below these recommendations will still have some benefits or improvements in health. And so really doing some activity is much better than doing nothing at all. And finally, for women who were not previously active before becoming pregnant, we do encourage these women to start off slow and gradually progress towards the guidelines over the course of pregnancy. And this can be as simple as just gradually increasing the uh, amount of time that you're exercising per week by just five minutes each week until you do meet that 150 minutes. And if you don't quite get there, just do as much as you can and you will still reap some benefits uh, from being physically active. Before we let you go, do you have any other resources for clinicians or patients who would like to learn more about physical activity during pregnancy and the postpartum period? So in addition to the guidelines, uh, we do have 12 systematic reviews that were published in BJSM uh, in November. But the University of Alberta has actually developed an infographic to go with the guidelines that is free for download and use. We've started to develop here in my lab some short one-minute explainer videos to uh, give nice, short, snappy review of the findings of our reviews, as well as an overview of the guideline. And finally, CSEP has developed a tear sheet of the recommendations that can also be available for download as well. Over the coming months and years, we're really going to be working on improving our knowledge and our knowledge translation about exercise during pregnancy and developing more tools and resources for clinicians as well as pregnant women. And for all our listeners, we will be able to put links to those resources in the show notes, so don't worry. Margie, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, really great to be able to have this conversation with you. It's my hope and the hope of the entire guidelines consensus panel that these new guidelines will actually stimulate more research into the field of exercise and pregnancy. We have an incredible amount of work that has been done, but we really do have a lot of information that we still need to better understand about exercise and pregnancy. So expanding our understanding of the limits of physical activity during pregnancy, we need to know a lot more about resistance training during pregnancy. There was only a handful of studies, as well as the impact of physical activity in some of our populations such as type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and chronic hypertension. So I'd really, really encourage anybody who's interested in doing more research in the area, get involved, and uh, we really do need your help. And if our listeners would like to get involved or find out more about you or your work, where should they go? So if you're interested in learning more, you can go directly to my website, which is exerciseandpregnancy.ca, to learn more about the research that we're doing here at the Program for Pregnancy and Postpartum Health at the University of Alberta, or I'm always uh, easy to contact by email at margie.davenport at ualberta.ca. You've been listening to a BJSM podcast with Dr. Margie Davenport. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends or leave us a comment and connect through our social media channels. 
You can also follow All Things BJSM via our app, where you can find more podcasts, our latest articles, and other content. As always, we hope you have a physically active day.